Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with Simon Blair and Emma Doyle, the show that explores how to coach for success in both sport and business. Simon is owner and founder of Five Degrees and is a customer experience coach specializing in sales and customer service for contact centers. Emma is a performance coach, mentor and speaker with more than 20 years experience in coach education, both in Australia and around the world. I'm Jane Neal, producer for The Coaching Podcast. In this first episode, I interview Simon and Emma and explore how they got started in coaching and why two people from very different sides of the coaching spectrum have joined forces to bring you this podcast. We'll find out the one thing Roger Federer thinks makes a great coach, and Emma surprisingly reveals her connection with the Pope and a gold tennis racket. Enjoy the show. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. And tell me just a little, little snapshot of of your journey so far. And there, I've just used the journey word, but hey, you know, it is a process to get to the point you are in in your career as a coach. Tell us how you got into this and and maybe just a little bit of your experience that's brought you to this point so far. Yeah, well, look, it's funny because for me, Coaching was one of those things that I took up as my one of my first part-time jobs, passed the paper round. And it was one I, I literally walked on court, tennis being my sport of choice. And I had a group of kids in front of me. And I remember walking off that lesson and thinking to myself, wow, I was born to coach, as in this is a career that I really, really want to do. And um, and then, you know, that was 25 years ago and I'm still in tennis and coaching coaches and I absolutely love it. So that, that was the early days and I just knew early on that this is something I wanted to be involved in. So was that a, a point where you had to decide, okay, I've got the skills, I am a tennis player, but perhaps I'd like to focus on the coaching as opposed to, you know, I want to win a US Open or an Australian Open. Like, Was that a hard thing to do, to realise that perhaps your skills lay somewhere else? Yeah, it was, it was really interesting because I knew early on that I wanted to be a coach. I remember sitting in David Park and um, in his office at Deakin University and he just said to me, he said, do you want to be a, the best coach you can be? And I said, oh, absolutely, hands down. He said, well, have you played your tennis yourself as far as you can go? Have you lived your potential? And I just said, absolutely not. And I knew at 19 years of age, I was actually, when a lot of the time we said a lot of dropout of the, the players that were beating me, say, in the under-12 national championships, all of a sudden I was starting to overtake them. And I knew I had more in me as a player. And so he really squeezed that out of me and encouraged me to go to the U.S., play college tennis, which was just an amazing experience to be part of that team. And I knew if I did that as a player, then that would give me the skills to be the best coach that I could be. Um, so that was one of my early you know, early experiences of saying, hey, before you become a great coach, you've really got to live it yourself to the highest potential you can first. And I think that's critical. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter whether we're in the business world or um, in a certain job or career. Have we maximised that role in ourselves first um, before moving into more of a coaching role? So that was, that, that was probably one of my earliest reflections on that. So, Simon, you coming from the business world more so than the sporting world, like Emma, you know, being part of uh, the tennis scene, did you pay your dues? Where did you start and and how did you realise that you were good at coaching? Well, 
It actually started when I was 19 years of age and I used to go along and watch my sister play basketball and being a junior basketball from way back and it was still playing in uh, men's competitions by that stage, uh, I'd go and watch my younger sister who's eight years younger and watch these parents having a crack at coaching as it typically is in junior sport. And uh, the president president of the club, uh, whose daughter played in my sister's team, was there, and I'd be getting frustrated <laughs> watching how this was being managed and thinking, oh, I, being a cocky 19-year-old, I would make comments to him uh, about questioning certain things, and eventually he called me on it and said, well, put your hand up and have a go. I thought, okay, and I did. And that set me on a path of similar to... What Emma was saying, eyes wide open. Oh my! Oh my God! This is uh, something innate within me, which I never knew up to that point. The sheer joy and the love of helping kids, uh, first and foremost, and uh, the experience that I had from a nineteen-year-old. And for eight years, I was a coach uh, with junior basketball. Uh, what happened when I was twenty-one, when I started a call center career? was uh, I got opportunities to do coaching very early on. And I quickly realized that the same things I'd had figured out and got experience with in coaching kids um, wasn't that much different to, I suppose, coaching adults in uh, a call center um, environment. And and then as my career in the call center developed, I became a manager and a trainer and a, a coach, qualified coach in, in that regard. Um, uh, it was I was able to really utilize both endeavors because I was still coaching in, in basketball. So I was taking what I was learning in the business world uh, back to the junior sport and and vice versa. So that's really interesting. I, I almost feel like you know trying to piggyback on on Emma's sporting experience there. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to be when you sort of do a little yeah. bit of reading about coaching that you know from the dawn of time there have always been people who have helped train artists or or help sports people you know become their best. But is it only more recently, I guess, that business has started to realise? Because Simon, I thought you would just be talking about business didn't actually think that perhaps your beginnings of that awareness of your coaching capacity had come from sport coaching. Emma, do you think it is something that more and more often people are looking at the sporting field and the court and thinking, hang on a second, you would no, no sooner expect a person to get to be an elite, an elite athlete without a coach. So why do you expect someone in business to perhaps go there alone and do it without help. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting this conversation we're having because what happened for me personally, I was coaching on the road for 8 years mm-hmm. and I was working with a lot of high performance players, a lot of names that that many out there listening would have heard of, especially when they were a lot younger as well. So some of the traits we see now perhaps in some of our tennis players were also evident as kids. But that's that's for another day and another podcast. So when you say on the road, you mean actually on the international touring circuit? Yeah, correct. Okay. I did five years on the junior circuit and I did three years on the senior circuit. And mm. after eight years on the road, I was completely burnt out. Mm. And I I just wanted to get out of tennis. I thought it's time for a career change. I came off the road. And what happened was I found myself studying workplace and business coaching. Mm. And I thought this, this and this was around 2007. So around that time, it was quite, um, it was quite new. And I didn't, I wanted to do more than just say a life coaching course. I wanted to really tap into that business side. And, you know, that's where I wanted to move my career. And what happened for me, it actually catapulted 
catapulted me back into tennis. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have to go back into tennis because now learning these strategies, which did relate to sport, but now I could actually use tools back mm. in my my coaching world as a as a sports um, as a sports coach and applying to a business field. I just went, oh wow, this is an absolute no brainer. So one of my favourite things to do today as a coach is how can I find really cool strategies, and it doesn't matter where I get them from, and apply them to coach, you know, to coaching, to parents, to players, to business, to all facets. And this is certainly only in my experience, and you might have a different opinion, but it come about when that happened to me, when that journey, when I came off the road in around 2007 and since then the buzz in the business world of coaching because of the parallels and the similarities and the strategies has just been a no-brainer. Simon, do you meet people who say, no, we can do it, we don't actually need a coach? Like, you know, the idea that perhaps a business coach is like a personal trainer or a, a sporting coach, do you, do you meet people who maybe undervalue the role of coaching? Definitely. And I think one of the great problems is they don't even use the language of coaching. So even the, that concept, and now everyone typically when you say a coach, they automatically go to the sporting field, which is where the coaching Going, you know, ha, disciplines ha, 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 ha. have yeah. come from and, and evolved into the business world um, You know, over decades. And as Emma said, though, it's, it's quite recent, recent um, in terms of you know, the last 10, 10 years in particular where uh, the business world at a global scale has started to wake up to the concept of the manager as coach. And in my experience, the great inhibitor in terms of success for businesses is the role of managers. And those businesses that are very successful, and there's many ways to achieve success and there's many differences between the pathways they get there. But I think if you were to look at um, common elements, you would find that the managers are basically coaches. Now, whether that's even the language that they've used or if they even realise that, but when you come from the coaching world and you, you see it when there's a coaching culture. So everything that I've done in my career and certainly as a consultant for the last 10 plus years has been is really about creating coaching culture and helping organisations do that And because that's, that's the pathway to success. Mm. The manager as coach, because if you're not doing that, what else are you doing as a mechanism to drive improvement and change. Mm. Otherwise, you just basically, and we see this in the call centre world a lot, uh, where you know, there's too many call centres that don't have strong coaching cultures, which is why we get such poor service as, as customers. And th- those managers, those frontline team leaders, end up being glorified admin assistants. Um, they're doing all the processing, they're looking at reports and they're going to meetings and it's, they're busy. But the greatest investment of time is in people and if you're a coach, showing them how to yeah, get better at what they do. So that, that's the great opportunity. That's really interesting mm. when you suddenly, the word coach, if you know you were doing one of those little psychology kind of uh, exercises and I go, give me the first three words that come to mind when you say coach and I'd probably say support, encouragement – Say manager, and for some reason my brain reverts to monitoring, telling me off if I've done something wrong, making sure I'm doing my job, making sure I'm not on Facebook for the six hours I'm actually sitting behind a screen. Is is that right, Emma? Like there just seems to be a fundamental difference between the way we perceive a coach and a manager. 
Yeah. I would 100% agree with that. And in my experience, so I spend a lot of my time coaching coaches how to coach. Mm -hmm. And what I see is this historical approach, of course, which we're talking about managers, is that the coach has students and the coach then tells the student how to play. So, for example, this is a forehand. Take your racket back, step forward, keep the racket at this angle, make sure you hit the ball next to your front leg and follow through over your shoulder. Well, Let's be honest. Hang on, it, I'm, I'm just getting that down. What was that again? Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's way too much information and it's way too direct. And so the whole coaching culture, if we're even wondering what we're even talking about when we when we say the, these two words, is really about empowering the children of today. And how do we do that? In asking great questions. So providing learning environments that allow the children or the players to be the best version of themselves. And in tennis, it's a decision-making sport. Mm. So the first thing we have to do is make a cognitive decision. Am I going to hit the ball cross-quarter down the line? And so if we give our children all these direct instructions, we essentially we're becoming a manager. And one of those managers that doesn't really empower the child to want to get better. And they could even, I hate to say it, not want to play tennis, which is what I no. have. Yes. So <laughs> what I, you know, I've definitely one of my passions is to get out there and help coaches with language. The way that we talk to the children and the way that we empower them and way, the way we set up our learning environment is so important, which is exactly what I'm talking about when we talk about managers and managers managing their staff. So the way they go about that, the more they can adopt coaching strategies, the better they're going to be. You're listening to The Coaching Podcast, brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one in call quality monitoring and coaching for contact centres. Visit Five Degrees, spelled F-I-V-E, at fivedegrees.com.au to find out how you can supercharge your sales and customer service efforts. And The Coaching Podcast, also brought to you with thanks to Emma Doyle, international speaker, mentor and performance coach, specialising in communication, women in leadership and coach education for players, parents, clubs schools and coaches right around the world. Visit emmadoyle.com.au and discover your inner coach today. So you've just dropped the cognitive decision, which makes me think suddenly of like cognitive behavioural therapy, which is actually all about your internal dialogue and and how your words in your head and the way you talk or or verbalise things about yourself can actually change how happy you are or how satisfied you are. 100%. Now you're talking my language. So if you take that then, like, you know, Simon, it's a cognitive decision. How am I going to deal with this customer who, for all intents and purposes, is about to make my life hell? There's no point just saying you need to do this, 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 tick, 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 tick. And you always know that when you're talking with someone, whether it's in a sporting, you know, realm or on the phone trying to get a problem solved, you always know when they're just ticking the boxes. Is that similar, Simon, to creating a culture where people are actually thinking for themselves and it's just second nature to think in a way that's actually going to be really helpful for the person they're talking to? Uh, well, listening to Emma as she was just speaking and the thing that was popping into my head as you were giving the instructions for how to hit and I'm, I'll have to get those from you later. Um, but uh, <laughs> Don't bother. That, that was an example of what not to oh, do. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Yes, okay. just so we're really clear. I hope I get a free lesson out of this at <laughs> <Yeah>. some point. <laughs> 
that's that's that, that is why I'm doing this, isn't it? You're uh, never going to make it onto the pro circuit, Tony. <laughs> Give it up right um, now. <laughs> all right. So so back to uh, my my thought process as as Emma was talking, how it relates to say customer service, and it's Jane as as you were saying. Um, we we know what that when we're dealing with someone where they're executing something because they've been trained in a very repetitive instructional manner that is do this do this do that on every single call and it doesn't have flexibility it's the judgment calls that individuals have to make in the moment to adapt to the individual customer and circumstance that is the critical thing you teach and the big part of what I do with my clients and the key to my success is uh, I, I've got a model that is creates structure, but it's not script. It's a structure, so they've got something to hold on to, a framework, but within that, they've got to bring their personality to the table. They have to, um, yeah, listen. Listen to the triggers, the nuances of what customers reveal to make decisions around what questions to ask, uh, where to change tack, how much to say or not say within that within that framework? Yeah, which which brings me to my favourite definition of coaching, as this is coaching one hundred and one. This episode really, and I really see it as coaching equals people management plus teaching. And what we're really saying there, and it's and it's fascinating with with call centres because I've just realised you know the whole communication piece is you know body language, tonality, and words. Mm. Well, in a call centre. You're missing that visual piece. As as in the tennis industry, we get the visual piece, which provides so much of our information. So that that listening capacity becomes um, even more heightened. Uh, but Sorry. I love I love with my you know my that being my favourite definition. That thing we have to do first is understand people first and foremost. Who is the person in front of me? How what how are they walking? How are they talking? And what cues are they giving me so I can adapt my message or my question or my tonality or my body language to bring out the best performance enhancement, as in not that type of performance (laughs) enhancement. Uh, You know what I'm talking about. Um, The best in my players. So um, thanks for allowing me to add my favourite definition of coaching in there. Can Uh, you just repeat that for me? (laughs) Coaching equals people management plus teaching. People management plus teaching. Mm. I like it. The better you understand the person, then you can tailor your message, whether you are you – know, sometimes we're in our industry, Simon, we have to speak, we have to mentor, we have to coach, we have to run a workshop, we train us, we have to wear all these different hats. So I think that just really – you know, when we are wearing those different hats, that definition brings me back to if I've got an audience of one or when I did speak in front of, you know, the Pope and 5,000 coaches in Italy, how do I read, you know, the atmosphere of that? Please tell me you got the Pope to swing a tennis racket. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he was actually given a gold tennis racket. Would you believe that? A gold head tennis racket. And I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's quite something. No, on a serious note, it's a bit off topic, but he did – one of his main messages was actually about family and introducing, you know, going down to the local sporting club with your family. That's kind of cool. I mean, you know, that's like – From think, the Pope. Yeah, from the Pope. I thought, what a great way to open a conference. So – but that, that's for another day. <laughs> Gold tennis racket. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to The Coaching Podcast with Simon Blair and Emma Doyle. I'm your host, Jane Neild. 
The Coaching Podcast. This is episode one, and I'd love to know what people out there perhaps want to learn about coaching. You know, this is a two-way street. It's, it's not just about Emma and Simon talking about what they know. Perhaps, should we create a hashtag, guys? Absolutely. Let's do hashtag that. Hashtag TCP, The Coaching Podcast. You cool with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. Perhaps you could tweet any questions about coaching that you have using the hashtag TCP and perhaps throw some questions at Emma and Simon. Tennis, business, how does it come together, Emma? Well, what I'm really passionate about is always self-development. So I found myself yet again going to a course on how to become a great speaker. I do a lot of speaking and so... I arrived and I thought, okay, where do I, where can I sit where I'm close to the front and I can also read the flip chart in case I need to take a photo of it. And um, and then I remember thinking to myself, yep, I'll strategically sit just front left of centre, second row, and I'll see who comes and sits next to me. Looking around the room, I felt like I was back at school. <laughs> Looking around and all of a sudden, yep, there was a very... I was yeah, going to say handsome. Was <laughs> I was going to say handsome, but I thought, no, intelligent, bald looking. No, I'm like, purposeful. He looked oh, great. I'm still here, by the way. In a suit. <laughs> and he comes down, and I thought, wonderful. And uh, we both then had a good joke about our eyesight's not that great. And it's close, good to sit next to the flip chart to get the best notes you can possible. But we hit it off straight away mm. because of the connection between sport and business. And we had an absolutely brilliant day together and the yep. rest is history. So, Simon, it takes a, a fair bit of confidence and, and perhaps, you know, it's a bit of a punt to just say to someone like Emma who sat next to you at a one-day conference and say, hey, let's have a chat, let's have a coffee, let's talk about how sport and business could uh, come together, which is what excites me about, um, you know, helping you guys with a podcast is there's so much coaching ground to be covered that as two people who've re- really only recently met – you've yet to delve into that whole crossover between your industries. Yeah, well, it started with um, talking we, – we did a follow-up catch-up uh, after the uh, seminar that we went to and uh, just had lunch and just talking about things. And we started to – I suppose business opportunities started to re- reveal themselves in terms of some collaborative things that we could potentially do uh, around whether it's you know, running workshops and, and that whole concept of – how attractive might it be to the to those that are in the coaching realm or want to get better at coaching and uh, to to learn that crossover, you know? And we've talked about some of that from from business as well as sport. And then probably a week after that, I was sitting in my kitchen making coffee, and bang, I was thinking about those conversations, and then it just struck me that if it's very attractive to a, a wide range of people, how about we just talk about it and uh, in a podcast sort of format might be a terrific idea for uh, you know getting the concept out to a broader broader market it would be fair to say also you have a very infectious laugh so what? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you'll hear it throughout the podcast really it's the Simon Blair laugh well you better and make when- me laugh <laughs> <laughs> well you know if we're not having fun we're not learning and so I think that's one of the first qualities that I really liked about Simon. Never, and I, no one's ever said that to me before. Well, you know, uh, yeah, right. I'm sure. I'm definitely not the first. But, I, you know, it is important. If we're learning and, you know, sorry, if we're having fun, we're fun. learning. So, Simon, the coaching podcast, this is episode one. 
where are we going with this? What, what are you trying to experience and, and how are you going to sort of um, lead us through the coaching world? I'm personally fascinated to hear from Emma and some of the guests that we're going to have. We want to have great interviews um, with a whole range of diverse people from different backgrounds. I suppose ask all of them. Emma, would you, would you agree? It would be great to have a, a couple of questions that we ask maybe at the end of every interview that really gets that diverse level of thinking from different people around you know, the qualities of, of, of great coaching. Absolutely. I think the podcast for me is going to be about the parallels between sport and business and where do they cross over, which I really think they cross over almost every single time I think about them. I think we're going to be talking a lot about strategy and then we're going to be delving into the tactics of successful people. Remember, that's why we first met Simon. Mm. Find someone who's more successful than you and find out their secrets and ask them that question you just mentioned. And that's what I want to do on every podcast and every interview. What makes a great coach? Find out from as many people as we can on what they believe makes a great coach. The coaching podcast for me is the... Who is the inner coach with inside of you and how can we explore different strategies to make everyone become the best that they can be? Do you have the opportunity when you are in the world of tennis to ask, you know, high-profile players what they think makes a good coach? Have you got anyone that you can think, you know, who has really been able to nail that for you? I'm glad you asked that question, Jane. I had one of those rare moments last uh, – uh, sorry, the year before at the US Open where Roger Federer, he did actually put his arm around me, but that was just by chance when he was <laughs> turning around. And um, I do have the, the photo to prove if anyone wants us to double-check me on that. And and, uh, yeah, so I had that rare moment. I didn't have a lot of time with him. Of course, I just said, hey, Rog, what do you think makes a great coach? And he said an answer that really surprised me, someone who listens. And I think that's what this whole coaching podcast is going to be about. We're going to listen to our own journeys. We're going to listen to other people's journeys. And we're going to really explore then the strategies of success, both in the business world and in the sporting world and bring those parallels together and have a lot of fun doing it at the same time. Well, listening is certainly a really good place to start because, like you said, listening to other people's stories is, is just so fantastic. And we hope you have enjoyed listening to this uh, very first episode of the Coaching Podcast. Emma Doyle, Simon Blair, thank you so much. Thank you. It's thank been you. a pleasure. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for listening to this first episode of The Coaching Podcast, proudly brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one in quality monitoring and coaching for contact centres. And thanks to emmadoyle.com.au, speaker, mentor and performance coach. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review the show on iTunes and connect with the show via Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to introduce yourself to the ever-growing network of coaches from around the world. You can also email the show via Simon at thecoachingpodcast.com.au. My name's Jane Neild, producer for The Coaching Podcast. Thanks for listening.